Welcome back, everybody. I am so happy that you have returned to learn about Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. Let's start with Jesus rises from the dead. In Matthew 28, verses 1 through 8, it says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. The note for Matthew chapter 28 verse 2 says, The stone was not rolled aside so Jesus could get out, but so others could get in and see that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead, just as he had promised. The note from Matthew chapter 28 verses 5 through 7 says, The angel who announced the good news of the resurrection to the women gave them four messages. One, don't be afraid. The reality of the resurrection brings joy, not fear. When you are afraid, remember the empty tomb. Two, he isn't here. Jesus is not dead and is not to be looked for among the dead. He is alive with his people. Three, come see. The women could check the evidence themselves. The tomb was empty then and it is empty today. The resurrection is a historical fact. Four, go quickly and tell. They were to spread the joy of the resurrection. We too are to spread the great news about Jesus' resurrection. The note for Matthew chapter 28 verse 6 says that Jesus' resurrection is the key to the Christian faith. Why? One, just as he promised, Jesus rose from the dead. We can be confident, therefore, that he will accomplish all he has promised. Two, Jesus' bodily resurrection shows us that the living Christ is ruler of God's eternal kingdom, not a false prophet or imposter. Three, we can be certain of our resurrection because he was resurrected. Death is not the end. There is future life. Four, the power that brought Jesus back to life is available to us to bring our spiritually dead selves back to life. And five, the resurrection is the basis for the church's witness to the world. Jesus is more than just a human leader. He is the son of God. And we have a few more notes from this section. The note from Mark 16, five states, Mark says that one angel met the women at the tomb, while Luke mentions two angels. Each gospel writer chose to highlight different details as he explained the same story. Just as eyewitnesses to a new story, each may highlight a different aspect of that event. Mark probably emphasized only the angel who spoke. The unique emphasis of each gospel shows that the four accounts were written independently. This should give us confidence that all four are true and reliable. The note for Luke 24 verses 6 and 7 says, The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the central fact of Christian history. On it, the church is built. Without it, there would be no Christian church today. Jesus' resurrection is unique. Other religions have strong ethical systems, 
concepts about paradise and the afterlife in various holy scriptures. Only Christianity has a God who became human, literally died for his people, and was raised again in power and glory to rule his people forever. Why is the resurrection so important? One, because Christ was raised from the dead, we know that the kingdom of heaven is broken into earth's history. Our world is now headed for redemption, not disaster. God's mighty power is at work, destroying sin, creating new lives, and preparing us for Jesus' second coming. Two, because of the resurrection, we know that death has been conquered and we too will be raised from the dead to live forever with Christ. Three, the resurrection gives authority to the church's witness in the world. Look at the early evangelistic sermons in the book of Acts. The apostles' most important message was the proclamation that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. Four, the resurrection gives meaning to the church's sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Like Jesus' followers on the Emmaus Road, we break bread with our risen Lord, who comes in power to save us. And we're about to learn about what happened on Emmaus Road. Five, the resurrection helps us find meaning even in great tragedy. No matter what happens to us as we walk with the Lord, the resurrection gives us hope for the future. Six, the resurrection assures us that Christ is alive and ruling his kingdom. He is not a legend. He is alive and real. Seven, God's power that brought Jesus back from the dead is available to us so that we can live for him in an evil world. Christians can look very different from one another and they can hold widely varying beliefs about politics, lifestyle, and even theology. But one central belief unites and inspires all true Christians. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Okay, we move on to Peter and John run to the tomb. In John chapter 20 verses 3 through 10 says, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. The note for that section says the linen wrappings were left as if Jesus's body had simply vacated them. The cloth that covered Jesus's head was still rolled up in the shape of a head, and it was at about the right distance from the wrappings that had enveloped Jesus's body. A grave robber couldn't possibly have made off with Jesus's body and left the linens as if they were still shaped around it. Next is Jesus appears to the women. John chapter 20 verses 11 through 18 says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the father. 
But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. We have two notes for that section. The first is, Mary didn't recognize Jesus at first. Her grief had blinded her. She couldn't see him because she didn't expect to see him. Then he spoke her name and immediately she recognized him. Imagine the love that flooded her heart when she heard her Savior saying her name. Jesus is near you and he is calling your name. And the other note for that section says Mary did not meet the risen Christ until she had discovered the empty tomb. She responded with joy and obedience by going to tell the disciples, We cannot meet Christ until we discover that he is indeed alive, that his tomb is empty. We now move to religious leader bribes the guards. Matthew chapter 28 verses 11 through 15 says, As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say Jesus's disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it today. The note for that section says, Jesus's resurrection was already causing a great stir in Jerusalem. A group of women was moving quickly through the streets, looking for the disciples to tell them the amazing news that Jesus was alive. At the same time, a group of religious leaders was plotting how to cover up the resurrection. Today, there is still a great stir over the resurrection, and there are still only two choices, to believe that Jesus rose from the dead or to be close to the truth, denying it, ignoring it, or trying to explain it away. The next section is Jesus appears to two believers traveling on the road. And we're going to be reading Luke chapter 24 verses 13 through 35. That same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By the time they were nearing Emmaus, in the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it's getting late. 
So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two men from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. The note for that section says the news about Jesus's crucifixion had spread throughout Jerusalem. Because this was Passover week, Jews visiting the city from all over the Roman Empire now knew about his death. This was not a small, insignificant event affecting only the disciples. The whole nation was interested. Now Jesus appears to his disciples. John chapter 20 verses 19 through 23 says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The note for that section says Jesus's body wasn't a figment of the imagination or the appearance of a ghost. The disciples touched him and he ate food. Jesus's resurrection was literal and physical. He was not a disembodied spirit. On the other hand, his body wasn't a restored human body like Lazarus's. And you can find that in John chapter 11. He was able to appear and disappear. Jesus's resurrected body was immortal. This is the kind of body we will be given at the resurrection of the dead. And now Jesus appears to Thomas. John chapter 20 verses 24 through 31 says one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you have life by the power of his name. The note for that section says some people think they would believe in Jesus if they could see a definite sign or miracle. But Jesus says we are blessed if we can believe without seeing. We have all the proof we need in the words of the Bible and the testimony of believers. A physical appearance would not make Jesus any more real to us than he is now. Now Jesus appears to seven disciples. In John chapter 21 verses 1 through 14, it says, Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. 
So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Now the next section is Jesus challenges Peter. I'm not going to read any verses from this section, but we do have a couple notes. Uh, the note from John chapter 21 verses 15 through 17 says, In this speech scene, Jesus led Peter through an experience that would remove the cloud of his denial. Peter had denied Jesus three times. Three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. When Peter answered yes, Jesus told him to feed his sheep. It is one thing to say you love Jesus, but the real test is willingness to serve him. Peter had repented, and here Jesus was asking him to commit his life. Peter's life changed when he finally realized who Jesus was. His occupation changed from fisherman to evangelist. His identity changed from impetuous to quote-unquote rock. And his relationship to Jesus changed. He was forgiven and he finally understood the significance of Jesus. Words about his death and resurrection. The other note from John chapter 21 verse 25 says, John's stated purpose for writing his gospel was to show that Jesus was the Son of God. He clearly and systematically presented the evidence for Jesus' claims. When evidence is presented in the courtroom, those who hear it must make a choice. Those who read the Gospel of John must also make a choice. Is Jesus the Son of God or isn't he? Now we have Jesus gives the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28 verses 16 through 20 says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have two notes for that section. The first from Matthew 28, verse 19. The word Trinity does not occur in Scripture, but it well describes the three-in-one nature of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The other note is from verse 20. How is Jesus, quote-unquote, with us? Jesus was with the disciples physically until he ascended into heaven, and then spiritually through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would be Jesus' presence that would never leave them. Jesus continues to be with us today through his Spirit. Now the next two sections I'm going to read together. Jesus appears to the disciples in Jerusalem and Jesus ascends into heaven. So we're going to read these two sets as one. The first being Luke chapter 24 verses 44 through 49. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. 
Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And then Mark 16, 19 and 20 says, When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. The note for Luke chapter 24, verse 44 says, Many days may have elapsed between verses 43 and 44 because Jesus and his followers traveled to Galilee and back before he returned to heaven. In his second book, Acts, Luke makes it clear that Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples between his resurrection and ascension. The note for Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says, The Trinity is a description of the unique relationship of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If Jesus had stayed on earth, his physical presence would have limited the spread of the good news because physically he could be in only one place at a time. After Christ was taken up into heaven, he would be spiritually present everywhere through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sent so that God would be with and within his followers after Christ had returned to heaven. The Spirit would comfort them, guide them to know his truth, remind them of Jesus's words, give them the right words to say, and fill them with power. Now, before we read the next note, let's briefly talk about Pentecost. The festival of Pentecost came 50 days after Passover, when Jesus was crucified. And here are some verses regarding Pentecost. We're going to read from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, which says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now getting back to what we were talking about, the note for Acts chapter 1 verse 5 says, At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given to all who believed in Jesus. We received the Holy Spirit when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior. The baptism of the Holy Spirit must be understood in light of his total work in Christians. 1. The Spirit marks the beginning of the Christian experience. We cannot be Christians without his Spirit. We cannot be joined to Christ without his Spirit. We cannot be adopted as his children without his Spirit. We cannot be in the body of Christ except by baptism in the Spirit. 2. The Spirit is the power of our new lives. He begins a lifelong process of change making us more like Christ. When we receive Christ by faith, we begin an immediate personal relationship with God. The Holy Spirit works in us to help us become like Christ. And 3. The Spirit unites the Christian community in Christ. The Holy Spirit can be experienced by all and He works through all. The, and then we have just a few more notes. The note for Mark chapter 16, verse 19 says, When Jesus ascended into heaven, his physical presence left the disciples. Jesus' sitting at God's right hand signifies the completion of his work, his authority as God, and his coronation as king. 
The note for Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, The power believers receive from the Holy Spirit includes courage, boldness, confidence, insight, ability, and authority. The disciples would need all these gifts to fulfill their mission. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then finally, the note for Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. After 40 days with his disciples, Jesus returned to heaven. It was important for the disciples to see Jesus taken up into heaven. They knew without a doubt that he was God and that his home was in heaven. The two white-robed men were angels who proclaimed to the disciples that one day Jesus would return in the same way he had gone, bodily and visibly. We should be ready for Jesus' sudden return not by standing around, quote-unquote, staring into heaven, but by working hard to share the good news so that others will be able to share in God's great blessings. And that, friends, is the story of Holy Week or Passion Week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you were able to just get a nice solid foundation as, as to what this week means. Thank you again. Have a blessed, blessed day. Take care.